I love Psalm 42, and I would imagine that probably all of you do as well. And I would venture to say that almost all of you are quite familiar with Psalm 42, and you should be. Uh, Psalm 42 is um, what the world is looking for, but they don't know where to go. Psalm 42 brings us to the glory of our great God and the glory of Christ and hoping in Him. I'm going to preach Psalm 42, and I want to preach the sure hope for the depressed and the despairing person. Now, okay, I'm, I'm going to preach, what, 25, 30, 35 minutes, much, much, much more could be said on this topic. I, I understand that. But I hope that the psalm will hopefully reinforce what you know and what you've studied and what you believe about God and his character. And then it will prepare us for our prayer meeting here in a little bit as we call upon the Lord and uh, seek the face of, of our good God together. Psalm 42. It is a maskeel of the sons of Korah. Follow with me, beginning in verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we look into your word that you would help us so that if there are any here in this room that are downcast, if there are any who are battling discouragement, despair, depression, deep disturbing of the soul, oh God, we pray that you would remind and refocus and reorient our hearts to a steady trust in the goodness of our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to begin by telling you about William. William had a nickname. His nickname was Mad Cooper. He was a man known for his depression. 
William Cooper lived in the 1700s in England. Really, from early ages, he had embattled great discouragement and deep depression of the soul. He was even admitted into an insane asylum, even at a fairly young age, and attempted to commit suicide. Thankfully, he didn't succeed. While he was there, someone gave Mad Cooper a Bible. Someone gave him a Bible, and he, he was, at, was at wit's end. He didn't know what to do, so he read the Bible, and he learned of the grace of God, and he got converted reading the Bible. Well, then he met a man by the name of John Newton. John Newton became William Cooper's best friend, and he became his pastor. Together, they published a hymnal. Newton was the theologian pastor, and Cooper was the brilliant hymn writer and poet that he was. Well, they published a hymnal together, but yet William Cooper, even as a believer, struggled with depression. But you know what? As a believer, when he had deep despair of the soul, guess what? It drove him to pursue God more deeply. It drove him to pursue God. So the question that I learned from that, and for all of us here tonight, is not, do you get depressed? The question is not, do you have hard times in your life? That's the bad question. The right question is, what do you do when the difficult times come? What do you do when that dark night of the soul comes into your life? You know, even strong believers can have deep discouragement. Even Christians, even pastors, even missionaries can have and battle despair and depression. But the trust that William Cooper had in God, that is what steadied and established his soul, and it gave him peace, even when the difficult times came his way. Psalm 42 is a psalm, maybe for you tonight, maybe for you tomorrow, maybe for you in your journey fighting for hope in God. It's written by the sons of Korah. You see that there in the title. The sons of Korah was evidently a guild of singers. They were composers of music, and they are credited to have written 10 of the psalms, and Psalm 42 is the first. It's called, if you look in the title, a mosquil. Now, the translators didn't know what that was or how to explain it, so they just left mosquil. Well, the Hebrew word refers to a poem of skill. It is a poem of skill that is meant to give you intelligence in godly living. In other words, this guild of songwriters put together this poem because they knew that they would skillfully put together wisdom for you to get through life in a godly way, even when the difficulties come. Now, you and I know that we're living in times where depression kind of rules the day in our culture. It is estimated that 80 million people in America, that's one in four, 80 million people will meet the criteria for depression at least once in their life. Whether it's disappointment or discontentment or despair, there are many, many reasons or causes that might lead someone down the path to depression. 
And we, we could read blogs and articles and books from psychiatrists, from medical professionals who might assert that biochemistry or genetics or personality or all kinds of environmental factors lead people into depression. And, and then the doctors are very quick to say, well, we want to give you, we want to help people get relief from their depression. So maybe here's a therapy, here's a pill, here's some sort of a treatment so that you can get relief from your depression. But I want to tell you that the Bible gives a much better a much more lasting answer. The cure for spiritual depression is not an antidepressant pill. The cure for spiritual depression is not psychiatry, it's not psychotherapy, it's not psychology, it's not the medical field, although who among us is not thankful for doctors? We are. We understand that that will never get to the real heart of the problem in the Christian as they battle with this. We understand that the cure for spiritual depression is Christ. Hoping in our God, trusting in our God, leaning on our God. Now, I acknowledge, you acknowledge, that there is a lot going on in our bodies. We are complex beings, right? There's an inner man and an outer man, right? There's a physical makeup and a spiritual makeup, right? We're thankful for doctors who handle, handle doctor issues. But the deep despair of the soul, spiritual depression, a melancholy, a night of the soul that overtakes one's life and cripples him or her to such a point that he feels like he cannot go on anymore. Guess what? You and I, with the Bible in our hand, are more equipped than any psychiatrist out there. Hope in God. Now, hear me, and I'm going to say more of this later. I'm not pitting, I'm not pitting biblical counseling against doctors. We're thankful for doctors and we're thankful for the medical field. And oftentimes we can say to counselees, go get a thorough medical exam, a physical, go do that. But tonight what we're looking at is spiritual depression. What we're looking at tonight is how God has given hope in his character, how God has given hope in the gospel, how God has given hope in Christ so that you can persevere, so that you can triumph in the difficult times in life. Okay, so look in your outline with me. How does the balm of Scripture sufficiently help me and you battle the despair and the hopelessness that can come our way? I, I, give, I give two simple points because there's a refrain in verse 5, and then there's the same refrain in verse 11. So it's almost like the whole psalm is broken down into verses 1 to 5 and then 6 to 11. What do you do? Maybe you could jot this down in your Bible or maybe put it on a memory card or something where you say, I just need to remember these simple headings. Number one, what do you do when despair and hopelessness come your way? Number one, you must choose to pursue your God in the pains of adversity. Did you hear that opening statement? You got to choose. You have to choose. Don't live by feelings. You have to choose to pursue your God in pains of adversity. Now, clearly, 
for the psalmist here. Tough times have come. It's like the thunderclouds are lingering over his head and they've bursted on his head. People are mocking. And it's kind of like, I remember the good old days. How times used to be. We're not there anymore, but I remember those days. And you and I are aware many people turn to all kinds of releases, right? To cope with these pains, work, hobbies, shopping, friends, new pursuits, alcohol, drugs, self-help groups, therapies, on and on. The different ways of coping with this. God has a better way. The better way is longing for God. Look at verse 1. As the deer pants for water brooks. Like a, like a deer panting for water. In a similar way, verse 1, so my soul is panting for you, O God. The Hebrew word pant is a word that means to have an all-consuming desire. There's no other way to explain it. It's like the psalmist is saying, I want to have an all-consuming desire for God. Verse 2, my my soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when will I come and appear before God? You know what verse 2, this is so cool. Don't miss verse 2 if you look at it in your Bible. This is poetic language for the psalmist essentially saying this, God, I want more of your presence. God, I, I want to be near to you, God. Lord, I, I want to, to feel a, a nearer relationship with the living God. He's not living by feelings, but he wants the nearness of God. He wants to be closer to God. I think there's a wonderful, wonderful question for all of us here. Can you make verses 1 and 2 your own? Can you read this today? Maybe not perfectly, no doubt, for all of us. But can you say, God, I pant for you. God, I want you. Lord, you you are my great joy. Or in Psalm 40. Yeah, 43, verse 2, when will I come and appear? When will I see the face of God? I want more of the nearness of God. Can you say that today? That's the heart of the child of God. You know, if, if that isn't you today, don't go home and go to sleep until you make this your own. Cry out to God. Cry out. Our need is not more happiness. Our need is not relief. Our need is not bad situations to be away. Our need is God. Our need is God. Maybe you're here today and you think, you know, Jeff, that is my cry. I do love verses 1 and 2. That is my heart, but I want to grow. I want to grow. Maybe in those times of deep darkness of the night, what can you do? Maybe three pastoral thoughts. Read one psalm a day and one chapter of the Gospels each day and chew on that all day long. A psalm and a chapter of the Gospels. Maybe you could even consider this, memorizing Psalm 42, verse 8. We'll get there in a little bit, how God commands his love for us all through the day. Memorize that. Preach that to yourself. Each morning, you could also 
take one of those pens and a piece of paper, maybe not typing, maybe not texting, but a pen, and literally writing out 10 things that you're thankful for each day. And then turn that into praises all throughout the day. I want to pant for God. I want more of God. I want to long for you, the living God. Help me to grow in that. That's like step one for choosing, as the sons of Korah teach, to pursue God in pains of adversity. But let's just be honest. Starting in verse three, it gets really tough. Look at verse three. My tears have been my food day and night. Maybe you've been there. You've wept, you've wept, you've wept. You cry during the day, you cry during the night. And then verse three, it's not only your tears, but I've got tormentors. They're saying to me, where is your God? They're mocking you and your God. Verse four, he prays. These things I remember and I pour out my soul. That Hebrew idea of pouring out my soul is intense praying. It's like Jacob wrestling with God. God, I'm I'm wrestling with you. I'm intensely crying out to you. And if that wasn't enough, end of verse four, you know, I, I remember, I remember the good old days. Verse four, I used to go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving and a multitude that was keeping festival. It's almost like here's the psalmist separated from Jerusalem. And he's like, I remember when I was the worship leader. And I remember when I would rally the people of Israel together at the house of God and I would lead the parade to the temple and I would lead the people in joyful worship. But no more. No more. Maybe he's exiled. Maybe he's running for his life. We don't know the situation. Sometimes a change in location can be a cause for depression. I remember how things used to be when I lived here, when I had that, when I knew them, when I had that relationship. I remember that. And we, we, can, we can remember the good experiences of how things used to be, or we could flip it. We can remember the painful experiences of the past, and we can kind of get stuck in the misery of old, and that can lead to depression as well. Let me tell you, one, one, man, one man gives this testimony. It's a remarkable testimony. He said, a bad day for me. He, he battled depression. He said, the bad, a bad day for me is when I let my subjective feelings of fear and condemnation overrule what I knew to be true. Bad days always happen when I begin to base my acceptance with God on what I've done for God or what I've failed to do for God. And when I forget about Christ and what he's done for me. So he gives advice to fellow Christian pilgrims who are battling depression. This man who battled depression, he gives three pieces of counsel. Number one, take up God's word and read it. Read it each day. He said, number two, you need to seek a fellow believer and invite them, invite them to speak the hard truth into your life. Read the Bible, 
Invite a friend, a fellow believer, to speak truth into your life. And then third piece of counsel, he said, fellow pilgrim, just keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. God will not quit on you. He will persevere and preserve you so you can endure and persevere with him. Great counsel. Great advice from a fellow Christian pilgrim who's battling depression. One of the things that we have to remember is we have to avoid isolation when the tough times come, so we have to seek fellowship. We've got to avoid despair, fighting thoughts of suicide. We have to thank God for the gospel. When depression comes, we have to avoid laziness. I mean, what's the temptation? Just stay in the bed. Turn off the light. Don't go anywhere. Avoid laziness. Be with God and his word often. And we have to look outside ourselves. So one of the ways that we can fight and battle depression is seeking to love other people. Getting the eyes and focus off of self and who can I serve? Who can I approach? Who can I minister to in my church family in a tangible, sacrificial way? Somebody says, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. (laughs) Isaiah 41, verse 10, God, the almighty God says, I will strengthen you and I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You can't say, I can't do that. We can. Not only, number one, if you look here in your notes, verses one to four, one to five, you must choose to pursue your God in pains of adversity. But look with me now, beginning in verse six. I'm going to come back to verse five here in a minute. In your outline, number two, what do you do? You have to choose, yes, to pursue God, but also to trust your God in times of of trouble. I don't want to I don't want to preach and I don't think any Christian would say or deny that there's real hurt or real genuine pain in the Christian life. One lady testified when she said all I could do was cry in my days of depression. She was a believer. I was fatigued, I was weak, I battled insomnia, I had loss of appetite, I had ongoing headaches. I had brain fog. I even contemplated suicide. And I was a good church member. And I felt like God left me, she said. And then a good friend took me to Romans 8, 28. That God is working all things together for good. She said, I had to learn to trust that God will keep his promises no matter what. So what was her counsel to fellow Christians who were battling depression? She said, you ought to, and you could, seek out a doctor for a good, thorough medical exam. Get a physical. Get a physical. See if there's something going on with the thyroid. See if there's something going on in your body. See, is it affecting your appetite, your your sleep patterns, your sleep habits? Are there physical things that the doctor can help with? And then she said, Christian, you have to speak truth to your heart every day. 
Speak truth to your heart every day. And then she said, and then you can remember Romans 8, 28 as often as you need to. That God causes all things to work together for good. Now, why do I mention that? Because we have to choose to trust in God even when you don't feel like it. Look at verse 6. Oh my God. My soul's in despair. My soul's in despair. I'm crushed within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the peaks of Mount Hermon. If you've been to Israel or maybe know the geography of Israel, Mount Hermon is way north, north, even north of Galilee, far high the mountains. The psalmist is far away from Jerusalem and he says, I'm far from the place of worship. I'm far from the people of God. I'm, I'm isolated way up here. There's nobody with me. Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls and all your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. These are like, these are water metaphors depicting overwhelming oppression. We might say, I just feel like I'm drowning. I feel like everything is just coming crashing down on me. We might say that in our vernacular. That's what the psalmist was saying. Deep calls to deep. All the ocean waves are just falling on me. They're they're rolling upon me. I feel like I'm drowning. I want you. I want you to look at verse 8. Maybe this is a timely psalm for you. Maybe you know someone that this psalm would be helpful for them. Memorize psalm, uh, verse 8. What does verse 8 say? The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night. What do you do? I know God's covenant love. I love that will. It will be with me. He will command his love in the day. This is like the strong cement harbor for anchorage in a tumultuous storm. It's not you holding on to God. It's God's great covenant love that holds on to you. God's love during the day. God's song during the night. There is a prayer to God. The loyal love, the strong love is immutable. It's powerful. It's faithful. It's, it's incomparable. God's love is great. We have to choose to trust in this love. And you know what? When we do that, that will help reorient and refocus us no matter what may be going on outside of us. And then verses 9 and 10, notice what what he says. The psalmist says, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? There he is again, back in his depression. Why have you forgotten me? And why am I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? God, what's going on here? You've left me. The shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me, and they're saying all day long, where is your God? God, God, you you forgot me? You've left me? Let me say this before we kind of transition here to the chorus. We have to fight in our Christian life. We have to fight for a satisfied soul 
by running hard after God. It doesn't come easy. And life is not easy. Remember, Jesus said, take up your cross. That's tough. So we have to fight for a satisfied soul by running hard after God. When temptations and hardship comes, it's like we've got to go harder after God. We all need that. And we all need to remind each other of that. I mean, I could preach it today and forget it tomorrow. We all need these reminders. By the way, if I could point you to a glorious hope here. If there is ever anyone who can relate to this, it's Jesus. If there's ever a man whose soul was troubled and his soul was in despair at the prospect of the cross, like Mark 14, 33, he was very distressed and very troubled and he was even sweating drops of blood. You know what he did? He prayed for three hours in the Garden of Gethsemane. When the darkness of the soul comes, what do you do? He ran to the Father. And we can do the same. He was tempted in what he suffered, Hebrews chapter 2. And he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. We have a great high priest who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Now, that's the psalm. But verse 5 and verse 11 are nearly identical. And what we need to do, and you have it there in your outline, is there's a chorus. There's a refrain that we need to look at even just for a minute before we close. Verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? The Hebrew word for despair means I am thrust down. I am sunk down. I am like melted down. I have withered. Why? Soul, soul, why? Why are you in despair? There's a number of things we learn. Number one, you see it in your outline there. Christian, don't, don't listen to yourself complain. Number one, speak the truth to your own heart. You see it there in the outline. Speak truth on the next page. Speak truth to your own heart. Don't listen to yourself groan, rather preach to your own heart a great Christ. We have to preach that we have a great Christ, a glorious Christ. Verse 5, why are you in despair, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God. It's almost like the world might say, why are you keep talking to yourself? Because I listen to myself way too much. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I give you quotes there, especially on the next page. Martin Lloyd-Jones has a phenomenal book. By the way, he was called the doctor. He, he, he had, he had uh, uh, gone to such great lengths in the, the medical profession in London, England, in the 1900s, and yet he left it all when God converted him. He did a little bit of medical practice, but he left it all to be a physician for souls. If anybody knew the, the intercomplexity of body and soul, Lloyd-Jones did. He wrote a great book on spiritual depression. Great book. It's a classic. 
He said, haven't you realized that much of your unhappiness in life is because you're listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself? And then he goes on and on to say, we need to speak truth to our hearts. Number two, if you see in your outline there, what do we do? Anchor our hope. We got to anchor our hope in God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Verse five, why are you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. You may falter. I may falter. But God's covenant love that holds us tight will never falter. We can hope in that. Soul, soul, you tell yourself, soul, you have to aggressively wait on God. You've got to put all of your confidence in God. Tell yourself that each day, each hour if you need to. Third, praise God. Third, praise the Lord. Hope in God for I will again praise him. You know, if, if I can't change my circumstance, maybe I can change my attitude, right? You know, if, if, if I can't change my terminal disease, if I can't change where I'm currently living, if I can't change the environment around me, well, I need to reorient my focus so that I can have an attitude of praise to God. That's what he says in verse 5. I shall praise the Lord. Just as your Savior, the Lord Jesus, set his faith to go to Calvary for us, you and I can set our hearts to praise him always. You know, I I began, and there's much more that could be said, and you have some more in your outline there. Psalm 42 is a great psalm. It is the psalm for the hurting Christian. It is the psalm for the child of God who is battling the despair and depression of the soul. Great help. Now, I began by telling you about Mad Cooper, William Cooper. He, he was an amazing guy. You know the hymn, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. This depressed man wrote that. The hymn, God moves in mysterious ways. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds that you dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings soon upon your head. He wrote the hymn, Hark, my soul, it is the Lord. Tis thy Savior, hear his word. Jesus speaks and he says to me, poor sinner, do you love me? Lord, it is my chief complaint that my love is weak and faint. But yet I love thee and I adore, oh, for grace. To love thee more. You know what got William Cooper through his times of depression? That when the difficult times came, it pressed him. It pressed him harder after God. That's what we need to do. Press hard into Christ. I think I put this there in your outline. No, maybe I didn't. I'll conclude with this. The man who battled depression, William Cooper, his pastor was John Newton. John Newton wrote him a pastoral letter. Here's what he said. 
Quote, We belong to another world. Let our goal and our ambition be of the noblest kind. Our aim must always be to please God. And if the great judge will be pleased to receive us with joy, we will be little concerned with what we've left behind. In the grace of God is life. The smile of God, get this, the smile of God will fully overbalance all the frowns of the whole creation. My friend, when the Lord will break the chains that have so long entangled your spirit, you will rejoice and I will rejoice together with you. That's a good friend. It's a good pastor. We need to be those kinds of friends one to another. Look to the Lord. Hope in God. Let's walk through it together. And let's anchor our heart in a great Christ who is the author and the champion and the perfecter of our faith. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given your word to us. We praise and worship you. Take this word, this psalm, this truth, and plant it deep in our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name.